the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Sally Sherman for AM860, The Answer. And I'm off. Dr. Bill. Are you there? I'm here. Are you there? I'm here. But I think feedback, Ken, because... Well, let's try that. How's that? That is better. I'm <laughs> kill you one of these days <laughs> i'm gonna choke you to death <laughs> well sorry about that doc had a had the wrong wrong button on there okay right place but the wrong button huh yeah <laughs> what are you doing today doc how are you doing today buddy i'm doing good i'm doing good we got a big show coming up it's super bowl sunday so we've got uh burroughs and stafford squaring off out in la and uh I've got a special guest, John Blanchard, coming on, who is a political liaison for General Motors. So he's a big, big hitter, and he knows all the high-up executives. And he's going to explain to us how the uh, the trucker blockade up in Canada and on the Canadian-American border, the bridges, is going to or is affecting us, affecting our supply lines and our our production of automobiles. Because, you know, parts are made up there that are brought down to the United States and vice versa. So... Should be interesting, and and then we'll talk a little bit more about the Russian situation. I'm not talking about COVID today. I've had enough of COVID for a while. Thank you. I'm not going to throw up if I have to talk about it anymore. So I came across this. This father, he he buys a lie detector robot. Did you hear about that? A what? A lie detector robot. It slaps you when you tell a lie. Okay. So he decides to test it at dinner one night, and the father asks his son what he did that afternoon. The son said, well, I did some schoolwork, and the robot reached out and slapped him. And the son says, okay, okay, I was at a friend's house watching a movie. And dad asks, well, what movie were you watching, son? And the son says, Toy Story. And the robot reaches out and slaps him again. <laughs> the son says, okay, okay, we were watching porn. And so the dad says, what? At your age, I didn't even know what porn was. The robot reaches out and slaps Dad. <laughs> Mom laughs and says, well, he certainly is your son. Then the robot reaches out and slaps Mom. What's the end of that robot? <laughs> and that's why we'll never have lie detector robots in the house. <laughs> that robot was immediately put on Craigslist. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So um, I, I want to give you a little background about the, uh, the, the convoy up in Canada. You know, they had blocked up, the, the truckers had blocked up Ottawa. I guess they're starting to try to arrest them, and, and they're trying to get tow trucks to come in and, and, and haul these trucks out. You can't do it with, with just a regular old car tow truck. You need these big wazongas, you know, two, two and three axle. And, of course, the guys that haul those, that, that tow the, uh, the big rigs, uh, they're friends with the truckers, so I don't know if they're going to be able to get anybody to go, go into Ottawa and pull those people out. They did arrest one person. Now, they've also got the um, Ambassador Bridge, which is 
the bridge between Windsor and Detroit, and I guess the Detroit River separates the, the, those two cities. I can't remember. Is it the Detroit? I think it is the Detroit River. But it's a, it, it's a, a, a point where a lot of traffic comes through. I've been through there several times, and the, the, the lines can back up for a mile, and, you know, the truckers are, are stacked up on top of each other. It's a very busy uh, crossing there. And, of course, a lot of supply comes from Canada to the United States and, and from the United States back up to Canada for a number of things, auto industry, fuel, whatever. Uh, but uh, in a little bit, we'll have uh, my friend John Blanchard. He's going to call in and, and give us the skinny on, on how this is affecting his company and the United States in general. And this thing's spilling over into the whole world, Ken. You know, the, the Europeans, a lot of the countries now, they're rioting and doing the same thing. They're demanding that the mask mandates be lifted. And I guess a lot of the countries are starting to lift them. Uh, I think some of the Scandinavian countries are preemptively lifting the, uh, the mask mandates. I mean, come on, let's just get it over with. If, if, if you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want the shot, don't get the shot. If you don't want it, I mean, you know, I'll tell you, get the shot. I'll tell you, uh, if you're in a high-risk area, wear a good mask and uh, wear it properly. But uh, if you don't want to, at this point, if we lose another million people, it's not the end of the world. Come on. What do we, what do we have, 900,000 deaths so far? Something like that, yeah. So well, yeah, the is, choice is yours. I mean, this is a free country, you know. Yeah, and uh, supposedly, purportedly, uh, Canada and Europe are free, or Eastern, Western Europe are free uh, countries. I guess most of Eastern Europe now, too. The, the Canadians are not free. They are not free. I mean, they, and they are, they're very passive. They're nice people. I, I can't tell you how much I like them. They're just, they're just really, and they're so grateful when they come to the office, Ken, that, that we get them in right away. We take care of them, get them CAT scans and MRIs, and, and, and they have, no idea if they've never been in our system how fast and efficient it is. They think their system, their healthcare system, if they've never been out of the country, is wonderful. But uh, of course, there's a lot of problems, a lot of long wait times. Now, if you're having a heart attack and you make it to a hospital in Toronto, you'll be fine. But uh, if you're out in the boondocks, I don't know. You may not <laughs> be so fine. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, uh, our friend that does the Canada Calling Show, Priors, he he's always thumping his uh, healthcare system. He's a Canadian. He got his hip down up there. I love to tell this story, and he said, "I got in, you know, within a few months." I said, "Well, that's great, Prior," and uh, he had the hip done, and then about four or five months later, he started hearing a little click in the hip. <laughs> he started having a little pain and a little trouble walking. The dang prosthesis came loose. Oh my. We had to go back in and have another hip done. <laughs> Did he have to wait two more months? <laughs> I think that I think the surgeons were a little embarrassed. I'm just I'm guessing they got him in in a hurry. Well, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, prior your healthcare system was wonderful. I'm coming up there for my hip. <laughs> <clears throat> so. Uh, at any rate, we've got the football game coming up, and it looks like it's a four-point spread. Uh, most of the sportscasters are calling it for the Rams. Uh, one site I saw was calling it for the uh, the Bengals, and I'm a an Eastern, Southern Easterner from Kentucky, from Louisville, so we're close to Cincinnati. It's an hour and a half up the road, 
and uh, my nephews all went to school in Cincinnati. So I got to pull for Cincinnati. Plus, they haven't won it in a while, Ken. I think it's time they they uh, they, they get some recognition. Absolutely. And they've got a hell of a good little quarterback there. Well, not little. He probably towers over me, Burroughs. Guy can scramble, too. Oh, my gosh. Impressive. It's going to be a good game, Doc. Yeah, it is. And we're going to have a, we're going to have a, a neighborhood uh, bonfire, and everybody's going to bring a little something and throw out a couple of tables and throw out some chip and dip and crack a few beers open and I'm going to drag one of the big screen TVs outside and hook it up so we can watch the game out while we're at the bonfire. So that should be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's a good way to spend an evening, you know. It's just a nice, pleasant way. It doesn't matter who wins or loses. It's just a good way to socialize and have fun. Super Bowl is always a good time no matter where you are usually. You're right. Yeah, you know what? I think that Super Bowl Monday should be a national holiday. (laughs) I'm all for that. (laughs) I am all over that. And, you know, Cincinnati, all the schools are out for the kids tomorrow. Well, that's smart. Why not? Sure. Why not? Give them a, you know, give them a day off. That's a big deal for that city. Oh, yeah. I remember when Chicago won it. I mean, Chicago's got one Super Bowl win in all the years they've been out there. And when they won in 85, it was bedlam in in Chicago. The city went nuts. It just went nuts, yeah. And nobody went to work the next day. (laughs) Which which cut down on drive-by shooters. It did, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't know if Blanchard's going to call in or not. John I believe Lurie. we may have him on the phone right now, as a matter of fact. Right. Let's get him. Let's go. Hey, John, are you there? I am. All yes. right. Good, Good morning. morning, gentlemen. Good morning, John. Dr. Bell, I, I, I'm going to volunteer to support your campaign for making Super Bowl Monday a national holiday. <laughs> so you, you have your first campaign manager on the line. It's well, a great idea. I should be able to get it done. So what's going on with the truckers? What, how's this affecting you guys in, in, in Detroit? Oh, well, it's crazy. Uh, um, I, actually, I actually live outside of Detroit, and I work right at the General Motors headquarters right there. So from my office, I can see the bridge. Is that my feedback, doctor? That's on your end. I have my yeah. computer. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you probably have. Uh, yeah, I your... took it off the speaker. Maybe that's better. Yeah, take it off speaker. That way you won't have feedback. But John, tell yeah. us about your role at GM. I know you're a bigwig there. You're you're like a political liaison for the whole company. <laughs> well, General Motors is a big company. I head up uh, local government affairs. So I deal with all of the uh, local communities, the mayors, city councils, uh, county executives across the U.S. And we focus, as you can imagine, on our plant cities. Uh, but also our headquarters operations. We have our you know, global headquarters in Detroit, Michigan. So uh, I am a mile from the Ambassador Bridge where all this craziness is going on. Now, how much of uh, your supply chain for parts uh, comes from Canada? I know you have some some parts that are made up there. Is that, is that Oh, we do. We have a big portion of that. Uh, we have operations up in Canada, manufacturing and parts and suppliers. Uh, and um, it's a big piece of the, the GM business, not just GM, but the automotive industry goes back and forth. I saw some statistics that like uh, 25% of all international trade between U.S. and Canada comes across the Ambassador Bridge, which, as you mentioned, you know, goes across the Detroit River and it links Windsor, Canada to Detroit, Michigan. So 25% 
percent of the um, the trade, uh, land trade goes across that bridge. And I've seen estimates that said it's about three hundred million dollars a day in goods and services, goods that go back and forth. So when that shut down, that impacts a lot of the operations and. We're seeing shutdowns in plants and shifts being reduced uh, across the industry. It's happening every day. You see something, another shift, a plant has to take a shift off or, or uh, close down because they just can't get the materials and the supplies that they need to keep the assembly going. So we have a lot of suppliers up there in Canada. It's a strong partnership between uh, U.S. and Canada for us, for the auto industry. And when those bridges are shut down, um, not just the Ambassador Bridge, but up in Port Huron, it doesn't get as much visibility, but in Port Huron, on, between Port Huron, Michigan, and Sarnia, uh, there's the Blue Water Bridge, and there's a lot of traffic that goes back and forth there, too. And so uh, both of them have been shut down, and it starts to significantly impact the business uh, through the auto industry, and not just auto industry, but, uh, you know, the whole economy because of all the goods and services go back and forth. That's, that's really, I did not realize that 25% came across the Ambassador Bridge into Detroit yeah. from Spencer. That is huge. That is huge. That's a huge impact. That's a huge impact. You you can actually go online and they have live cams where you can see the truck traffic, all the traffic coming into the U.S. from Canada. But you can also see another view, if you just uh, Google it, you can see another view of the U.S. traffic going into Canada. And normally, if you watch that, you know, there's trucks come, trucks and vehicles coming on a regular basis. And I just pulled it up this morning before the call, and it's at a standstill. You don't see any traffic coming across either side of the bridge. So it's a huge impact. Well, then they've still got it shut down because uh, one of the news reports said that they had unblocked the bridge. But I guess now there are people walking onto the bridge protesting. So uh, and that must be a big a, a heck of a headache and nightmare for the border crossing agents on both sides as well. Oh, my gosh. They must be going out of their minds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, for the economy, you know, this is on top of we we all go through the global pandemic that you talk about on a regular basis and we all live it uh, on a daily basis. And then for, you know, the auto industry, we had the computer chip shortages and then the supply chain shortages. And then now you have this on top of that. And it it just continues to impact um, across the whole industry. Yeah. You know, something interesting, I remember you told me a couple of years ago when when this whole uh, pandemic started and and I guess Trump was still in and, and he was talking about uh, uh, respirators and how we were going to make respirators. And you told me that one of your factories had already been turned into a respirator factory. Yeah, Remember? yeah. We, we actually uh, took one of our plants and turned it into making the, uh, the ventilators. Um, and then also we had another plant that was uh, making the mask early on. So we converted two of our plants that had some surplus space into making those. It was made a big impact um, when you really needed them. Yeah. And I mean, we didn't even need all of the ventilators that were made. So I think that you guys ended up selling some to other countries. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm not sure if we did, but, uh, you know, we had a huge demand and we had the ability to convert our plants to start to make those, so it, um, it was really helpful. 
One of the things you talk about, the impact on uh, what you see, I mean, if you have to buy or lease a vehicle, you know, when these when these plants can't get the parts and all these other shortages, um, it really impacts the ability for us to build vehicles. Um, and so if you've ever been, if you've been in a dealership recently, if you had to buy or lease a vehicle, you can see that uh, pricing is, is much higher than it's ever been and availability is much lower. So you see a lot of people that would traditionally lease a vehicle every two or three years when they're going into their dealership there's just not inventory and so a lot of large percentage of those leased customers are now buying their vehicles um, and it's like don't quote me bill on on the percentage but you know 70 80 percent of people when their vehicles are coming off lease they're buying them now because the residual values are so high it doesn't make sense and they can't get another product they're just staying in what was a lease vehicle now they're buying it so uh, that's just another result of the impact uh, that some of this uh, traffic shortages have so this actually is going to drive up the cost of automobiles even more and i understand that even well, used automobiles some of them are selling for more than when they were new they they actually are and one of the things we're working with the dealers to try to make sure that you don't try to gouge the customer at this point because of that and it's not just automobiles i mean well, i don't want to get into it but you'll see all the price of all your commodities uh and that they're all increasing and that's just across the board uh because of supply chain and this is one another factor you know with the bridges being shut down and uh supply chain being impacted uh it's impacting everyone not not just the auto industry but our whole economy yeah, and, you know, you think about uh, <clears throat> the hardware like automobiles and uh, equipment manufacturing, but there's food stuff that comes across the border. You know, we get our, our clams down here in Florida actually come from Prince Edward Island, which is the smallest province, as you know, in Canada. But uh, that, I'm sure, it comes down in refrigerated trucks. So everything. Oh, it has to. I'm sure it does. Yeah, I would imagine it does. Supplies, uh, farm equipment, automobiles, parts, uh, you know, the Canadians manufacture a ton of stuff and they're our largest trading partner. Most people think China's our largest trading partner. It's not. It's Canada. That's our number one trading partner. Hmm. And, I believe and you, it. And you can see that. I mean, because, you know, we're, you know, we're brother and sister, even though we have different views on how the household should be run. But uh, basically, we cooperate with each other and... Uh, We've worked with each other on almost everything since, well, since after the War of 1812. We were a little mad at each other then, but we got over that. <laughs> and, you know, they, well, living they, and working in Detroit, the other thing that we saw, there's a big workforce that crosses over that bridge every day. There's a lot of people in and around the Detroit metro area that live in Canada. Uh, I've had several individuals that work for me that that actually live over in Windsor, and they haven't been able to come across to the offices. Now, we're all working remotely, or a large percentage of us are working remotely at this point. Uh, but the, the just the, the workforce impact, um, not, not just the pandemic, but now you shut the bridge down on top of that, and there's workforce that can't flow back and forth between Windsor and Detroit. And you probably have uh, some highly specialized technical people that come across and work in the plants as well. Oh, absolutely. And a big, big workforce the impact is on the nurses. You know, there's a big uh, hospital chains and medical industry right there in Detroit. And a lot of the nurses come over from Canada to work in Detroit and then go back and forth. 
So you know you're living it, and you see it every day. The, uh, um, the limit on nurses and resources there, and headcount and workforce, and and so the last thing they need is another shutdown of the bridge to impact that even more. Ripples through the whole uh, uh, U.S. because if there's a shortage of nurses in Detroit, and uh, uh, the Detroit hospitals offer more money to nurses, so. Well, the nurses from down here are going to say, well, heck, I'll go up there and be a traveler. The travelers go up for three months. They make a year's worth of salary, and uh, we're short nurses down here in Florida. So it, it, it right. ripples across the whole economy. This whole thing is is just amazing. And I don't know why. I would encourage those travelers, if they're going up to Detroit or in the Michigan area, to do it in the summer months. Don't do it now because it's much nicer down here. I know it might be a little chilly and, and raining today here in Florida, but uh, uh, the weather is much nicer than it is up in Michigan at this point. Well, you know, I was going across, I, I probably told this story on the show before, I was going across at uh, Niagara Falls one year to head up to uh, Toronto, visit the travel insurance companies, and the border, the Canadian border agent says, what brings you to Canada? And I looked around. It was raining. It was 40 degrees. I said, well, you're beautiful weather, of course. And he started like, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we do have better weather and uh, we've got great food down here. And by the way, if you are going to Canada right now, you have to have a PCR test uh, for COVID. And we have that in the office, John. So we're at 727-384. Six four one one seven two seven three eight four six four one one. And guess what? You don't have to wait a day or two. It's a thirty-minute test. It is a really cool machine. We paid twelve grand for it, and uh, it's actually a, a PCR-based test, so it qualifies, and it will get you in the border. And there's several other countries around the world who are requiring that if you're going to fly in or drive into them. So uh, keep that in mind. We're at seven two seven three eight four six four one one, and. Uh, and we want everybody to come in and make use of this machine so they don't come and take it from us because we have to we have a, like a minimum that we have to use or they come and rip it out of your hands. <clears throat> we don't want that. Interesting. Wow. But it's a good piece of equipment. We also have the less expensive antigen test if you're uh, if you're just going on an airplane trip across the country because you're supposed to have an antigen test within what 72 hours or something like that. So we've got them both. And we've got the vaccine. So come on in and get a shot. And uh, as for Trudeau, now I've, I've never been impressed with this guy. You know, he's his mother's son. I don't know if you remember Margaret Trudeau, guys, but she was quite a party girl. <laughs> she got around. Absolutely. More likely to be seen in a nightclub in New York City than at the uh, State House in Ottawa when her husband was the prime minister. And you know what? I think I think that. Trudeau Jr., I think he was a grade school teacher, if I'm not, not, I think I'm correct about that. I think he was an art teacher in a grade school, but I don't know. How this qualifies him as, as the prime minister of a major country is way beyond me, but why didn't he just end the mask mandate and cut this crap out? We need to get back to business, if you know what I mean. And uh, Absolutely. And I think it's important that we, uh, that we, Put this into perspective. How many people are we going to lose? You know what? If we lose another million, it's not going to make a whole lot of difference in the United States. It's just not going to matter. And with all the mass mandates in Canada, they still had a huge surge with the Omicron. They were all locked down. They were all wearing masks. And they still had as big a surge in Omicron as we did. 
So come on, give it up, guys. It's time to uh, put an end to this nonsense and let's get back to work. <clears throat> that's my that's my spiel on that. What do you think, John? Oh, I'm not. I defer to you, Doctor. You're the expert in that. I know that we support you know the vaccines across GM and across the industry. Um, um, the mandates are another thing. You know, you have to. If you, I think it might have been Ken. You know, if you want the shot, get the shot. We would encourage you to do that. But the mandates really have impacted so many, not just the big industries, but small businesses. Small businesses are being impacted, and every day you see someone that's uh, you know shutting their doors or you know you try to go to a restaurant and you can't get in because they just don't have the staffing. So um, I, I think everybody after two years now has had enough of all this. So we're ready to get on to, to back to, I think will be a new normal. Um, you know, a lot of the businesses now are working remotely. We call it working appropriately. And I think that makes sense. In some cases, a lot of people don't have to be in there. You know, the service industry, a lot of our engineering, design, technical folks have to be in the office or in the labs working, uh, collaborating with each other. And so I think everybody has just had enough of all this. We thought after the first year we'd come into the new year. You know, last year we'd get it behind us. It just wasn't the case. So hopefully we're starting to see from a medical side, you know, trends in the right directions and, um, you know, the last variant was not as significant and we just need to get over it that's for sure we're tired of it yeah and 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 it doesn't mean that 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 i don't support vaccination or wearing masks because i do i think it's vitally important that everybody be vaccinated but uh i'm not going to put a gun to anybody's head you know like i tell my patients they say do i have to do this and i say you know what i'm not a cop i'm just a signpost i'm a doctor if you want to uh follow my directions, fine. And if you don't, well, there's not much I can do. But the nice thing about not following my directions is usually I get them back. <laughs> they'll, they'll be back sooner later. So it's a good, good for thing. business. Either way, I'm going to get you, baby. It's like the undertaker. Either way, he's going to get your butt. <laughs> All right, looks like we're close to a break, Ken. What do you say? Uh, we are. Yes, we are. Enjoy the conversation, go, guys. Very informative. Well, if John wants to hang around and talk about anything else, he's welcome to. But for you and me, I am going to go to a break, and we'll be right back. I am Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has met with Japanese and South Korean officials in Hawaii. It happened yesterday. They discussed the threat posed by nuclear-armed North Korea after Pyongyang started this year with a series of missile tests. Blinken says after meeting with the others that North Korea, quote, is in a phase of provocation, and the three countries are condemning the recent missile launches. Police say four people shot wounded after a fight broke out outside an L.A. restaurant last night hosting a party. That followed a Justin Bieber concert. Nobody was killed. All four men treated at the hospital. They're being listed in stable condition this morning. And Venezuelan opposition parties have staged one of their biggest rallies since the coronavirus pandemic erupted, hearing calls for unity to end more than two decades of socialist governments. This is SRN News. 
Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of Can Care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an in-office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser. Me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket costs a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi. 727-577-2220. This is important news. If you have unfiled tax returns, the IRS is shifting gears and ramping up investigations on non-filers this year. If you fail to file your tax returns for a year or more, or you owe back taxes, now's the time to call Optima Tax Relief before the IRS finds you. Optima is America's number one most trusted tax resolution firm, specialized in helping individuals, families, and businesses get right with the IRS. They're experts in the Taxpayer Relief Initiative, a powerful new program that can make resolving tax issues easier. A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau. Optima's award-winning team has helped thousands of people protect their paychecks, bank accounts, homes, and businesses by putting their tax problems to rest. Resolving over $1 billion in tax debts for their clients. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Hi, I'm David Moss Jr. from Moss Nissan, and when it comes to servicing your vehicle, Moss Nissan is simply the best around. You'll experience the Moss difference from the moment you walk in. Our staff is like family, and we look forward to treating you and your vehicle like a part of that family. All of our technicians are factory trained and equipped to work on all makes and all models from basic oil changes to full-blown restorations, and we think you should be able to service your vehicle according to your schedule, so we now offer extended service hours for your convenience. Moss Nissan, whatever it takes. AM 860, The Answer. Online at com. Odyssey. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. A cooler mix of sun and clouds today with the high of 68. Clear skies tonight, low 45. Partly sunny tomorrow, Monday's high 65. Monday night will be partly cloudy with a low of 47. And Tuesday, partly sunny, high 74. 
Looking ahead to Wednesday, partly sunny that day, warming up a bit with a high of 79. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Sally Sherman for AM860, The Answer. We're back on a Super Bowl Sunday, and what a great show we're having. Oh, my gosh, John Blanchard is, that guy's got a head on him, doesn't he? He does, and I learned, I didn't know we had so much going yeah. back and forth between Canada and the U.S. He'll probably make me buy the beer tonight now. For- <laughs> he, well, <laughs> should get some compensation. He was very good. He's good. He'll, I'll, I'll have to buy him a beer or two. All right, so, so let's shift gears. Let's take a look at the Russian-Ukraine uh, situation. Before we do that, let's do our contest. We haven't even oh. talked about that yet today. Contest today. That's right, too. Dr. Bill, your Radio MD mugs up for grabs. You're the first person who can answer this question, and the question every week always deals with the first half of the show, and this week is no different. Who, here's your question, who, who does the doctor think is going to win today's Super Bowl. We talked about that much earlier, but who who's the doctor calling on to win the Super Bowl? If you know, give us a call at 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600. First, first caller with the correct answer wins the two. Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs, they are beautiful. We have one sitting right there on our windowsill in front of the sink in the house. By the way, Ken, we can't let John Blanchard in on this because he was on the whole show today. So I already gave him some mugs anyway. So well, good. All right, great. He You're was out. very good. I enjoyed listening to John. He was wonderful. He's real. He's really a bright guy. The more I talk to him, the more I get to know him, the more impressed I am with him. Very well uh, spoken. Yeah, he's very articulate. He's very uh, knowledgeable, and uh, he's very well rounded too. He's an athlete. He's a good dad and a good granddad. I think we caught him asleep on the couch with a baby in his arms the other day while the women were out having fun, of course. Ah, yes. But that's good. That's good. Every once in a while, that's fine. Sure. Yeah. A little bonding there between the grandchildren. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got to love your grandkids. So uh, we've got the Russians sitting on the Ukrainian border. They've got over 100,000 troops, and uh, they're massing ships in the Baltic, and uh, they're doing all kinds of things. Oh, by the way, they ran a... They ran a U.S. sub out of uh, an area near Vladivostok, which was their territorial waters, where they were holding some, uh, I guess, some maneuvers, some some training maneuvers with some of their fleets, and and so they said that they they ran off one of our subs, but I, I you know, I don't know how did the sub get in there. Well, these subs are pretty, they're pretty stealthy now. They're pretty cool. They don't make much noise. You can't pick them up, and uh, of course, radar doesn't work underwater, so you have to use sonar. I don't know how they do it. It's it's pretty fascinating technology. Well, maybe they didn't, like you said. Maybe it's just a... Maybe, it, yeah, it might have just been made up. Who knows? Just talk. Now, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, this just got this uh, from my phone, says today that the U.S. believes Russia could launch an invasion of Ukraine this week, but it's still holding out for hope of diplomacy, and they're saying now that it'll begin by the air, bombs will be dropped, shells will be fired, and that kind of thing. Well, the, the problem is this, that uh, rather than sending NATO troops into the Ukraine to defend them, which would back the Russians down, uh, we're threatening sanctions on them. So what could we do? Well, in the bond market, we could, we've already banned U.S. banks from buying Russian bonds. So, the, you know, the Russians are like any other country. They issue bonds, treasury notes, whatever you want to call it, to get some cash into their 
coffer so that they can do business. But Washington can go further than that, and they can uh, ban the sell the sale of secondary in the secondary market of bonds, where they're packaged and resold with uh, portfolios and retirement plans and and uh, big offshore hedge funds and that sort of thing. So that could really damage them. And we did that to the Iranians, and that really put a crimp in their uh, in their growth and threw them into a recession back uh, in the mid-2015-2020 era. We can also put sanctions on their corporations and banks because, Ken, a lot of these companies do banking business in the United States because they don't trust their own bank. <laughs> and so we could impose a full blocking sanction on large Russian banks so that they could not uh, borrow from our banks, energy companies, defense firms, because, you know, a lot of these companies now are private in Russia. They used to be government owned but now they've gone private under the uh, under the, the the fall or after the fall of the Soviet Union and so we could put in sweeping prohibitions on all kinds of investments and services to the Russian uh, companies uh, uh, I'm sure we supply parts for Russian oil companies and drilling uh, and two big targets according to uh, one article I read in The Guardian is the huge VTB bank and Gazprom bank. So these are two big banks that could be affected. And uh, we've been hesitant to impose sanctions on the Russian oligarchy. And, and, you know, they are here, Ken. You probably don't realize it, but my son went to school with the daughter of one of the Russian oligarchs who lived in our neighborhood over here in Pasadena on Country Club. And he owned one of the biggest railroads uh, systems in Russia, but he moved everybody over here, and, uh, and then he'd go back and forth and do business. Uh, but uh, we can take uh, action against their companies. Uh, the problem is, is that if we do, all these companies are so in a lock, like Rusal, which is a big uh, aluminum company in Russia. It has a, a, a big base in Dublin, and so the Irish are upset. They don't want us to put sanctions on on Rusal, on the uh, big Russian aluminum company, because it's going to hurt uh, hurt the Irish, the Irish state, not not Northern Ireland, not part of Great Britain, but the actual Irish Irish. <clears throat> and so, family members of of Putin who have financial uh, interests and oligarchs who are his friends who have gotten into these these big businesses and become billionaires, well, we can uh, you know we can do a lot to hurt them. We can really shut their economy down. Now, we also have SWIFT, which is uh, an international electronic payment system that big companies and uh, big governments utilize, and uh, we can boot them out of that and make them a pariah, and the Russians would, would have a hard time. It would cripple the transfer of funds and the payments back and forth between the government of Russia and uh, different companies and different governments around the world. So. We have a lot of leverage in that respect. Here's the problem, Ken. Here's the problem. An unstable Russia is an unstable world. And if we throw Russia into a recession, which is possible, we could do that. We can cut down the, uh, the pipeline. Uh, we, can, we can turn that off that's going from Russia into Germany. And there's a group of German politicians who are saying they're not so sure they want that that pipeline anyway. So we can put pressure on the Germans and along with their own internal political uh, bickering, we can force the 
the uh, Germans not to use Russian gas and not to use Russian oil. And uh, this is going to be another blow to their economy. So, look, you got an unstable Russia, and I've said this for decades, an unstable Russia is an unstable world. You want to start a war, destabilize Russia. Because what are the Russians going to do? They're going to get mad. <laughs> They're going to look for somebody to beat up on. What can they do to us economically? <clears throat> to us? There must Not be much. something. They must have. They, they, I know they, um, they sell a lot of minerals to us that we use to make semiconductors. We don't get that much from them. We get it from China and from Chile and from uh, Canada. Uh, but we don't get a whole lot from Russia. Now, the Russians could affect the gold market. They can dump a ton of gold into the gold market and bring the price of gold down. How will that affect us? I don't, I don't know, because we're not on the gold standard. Um, it, it, it probably would not affect us that much. Do they have that much control over us? No. Their economy is maybe the 10th or 11th uh, largest in the world. And we're still number one. I mean, we're huge. Uh, you know, even Mexico's got a bigger economy than, than Russia does. Did you know that? I did not know that. So they yeah. really are limited to just military action, pretty much. They're they're limited to military action. I mean, they can appeal to China, but uh, the Chinese are going to step back and say, hmm, if those kind of sanctions can be put on Russia and cripple them, can the West and the United States do the same to us? Uh, yes, we can. We can put a, an absolute embargo uh, we can halt all incoming goods from China. Would that hurt us in the short run? Yeah, but, you know, you, you talk about things like chips, like uh, John Blanchard was talking about. We actually have a pretty healthy chip manufacturing process, uh, but they're generally higher-end chips. So the lower-end chips are coming from China right now, and uh, I would guess that those are the kind of chips that go into cars and, and toys and that sort of thing. The higher-end chips go into higher-end computers and then into the military equipment and jet planes and that sort of thing. And, of course, there's a, there's a bigger profit margin. So, of course, Intel and different companies are going to AMD. They're going, or, uh, they're going to uh, focus on where the greater profit is. But we can make cheap chips. We just need to ramp up our abilities uh, in terms of production and I think that Intel announced that they're opening another plant down in Texas in the near future to ramp up production of chips. I'm guessing it's going to be the lower end chips. Well, it's about time. I mean, we we can't we can't do this anymore. We can't outsource everything because we get trapped. We get we get suckered into it in the end. And the other thing are generic medications. Uh, we've had a shortage of different medications uh, around the country, different IV fluids, and different things in the hospital and and even in our office. We we had a shortage of uh, Depomedrol, which is uh, uh, an anti-inflammatory in the cortisone family. We use it to inject joints and muscles and uh, for allergies, allergic reactions, that sort of thing. And we couldn't get any for a month or two. So we had to go to another higher-priced uh, product called Celestone. And so we really are impacted by the supply chain crisis and the trade between the United States and China. And we can manufacture these things here easily. Why don't we? Cost. Well, it costs more. It costs more. It's a more a more labor higher labor cost. And the other thing is the uh, is the litigation because the lawyers in the United States will look for. I mean, they will actively go after a drug and look for some reason to sue the manufacturer and say, "See, you did this on purpose. You made these people lose their left ear by using this medication." 
And so we've got not only the uh, the the labor cost and and the uh, the raw goods cost, we also have the cost of of uh, legal fees and, uh, and protecting ourselves against the lawyers. It, it, it's really a, a it's really a quagmire. Now, the problem is is that Congress, the the conservatives in Congress, would like to have some kind of uh, limitation on the uh, on the torts rewards, on the lawsuit rewards that these lawyers are getting from these big companies. You know, you see on TV now that uh, Parkinson's is caused by the uh, by one of the uh, herbicides that's been used. Um, throughout the United States for a number of years. And uh, this is going to push up the cost of herbicides. So herbicides are still a very big and important part of the agricultural industry. And whether it's farming or uh, aqua farming, fish farming, we, we use these things to keep the land and keep the waters open so that we can grow food. We need food. And uh, until we have a better system, this is what we got. And but now these companies, these big uh, chemical companies, Dow and all that, they're having to put out big money now to uh, to meet these lawsuit demands, you know, because you're talking about billions and billions of dollars. Now, the trial lawyers are going to say, oh, come on, billions of dollars for these companies that are making trillions. It's chicken feed. It's penny ante. It's change. Well, what if I want to start a generic drug manufacturing company and say make uh, penicillin and uh, diclofenic gel, you know, the Voltaren gel and that, all that sort of stuff. Of course, I'm going to meet some resistance from other manufacturers, but here's the thing, Ken. If a lawyer, a trial lawyer group, glums on to me and says, well, hey, Handelman's making some good money now. Let's go after him. That's the end of my business, you know. It could, yeah. it could, it could sink it. And so tell me why I want to take that risk. Tell me why. I mean, I guess I could do it out of the goodness of my heart and a desire to help my fellow Americans, but uh, I have to think about my own health and welfare as well, and that includes financial. So you have to be careful in this day and age, and you have to go low tech to stay under and fly under the radar, and you have to be in an industry where the trial lawyers don't really have that much grip. They don't have that much uh, 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 leverage uh, or pull. And medicine and medications and uh, the healthcare industry in general is wide open. It's wide open. And it's a very emotional uh, situation, too, because, you know, Mrs. So-and-so says that her husband is Parkinsonian because of Paraquat or, or you know, some other herbicide. And, and so the, the jury's like, oh, yeah, they're big, mean, bad, evil people. And how many times have you heard this growing up that, Corporations, big corporations are bad and evil. Come on. I mean, some are bad, some are good, some are just doing business. Well, know? most but, of them just act in their own best interest because they have shareholders they have to account for. I mean, And, you know, you, you see the same thing in any corporation, in any business. You're going to do what's in the best interest of your business. That's where your but, job is. Yeah. But, you know, you, most businesses, they're not going to lie, cheat, steal, take advantage of you. They're going to they're gonna try and get their product out there and honestly sell you something or a service and, and convince you that their product is better. And if it's not, you know what? Their product's not going to make it anyway. Some some other product will take over. It's the free market. Let it rain. That's right. That's the whole idea of the free market is uh, let's get this uh, let's get this up and running. And I don't know. It, it's, it's 
troublesome to me that we can't have our own homegrown industries because of the labor costs, because of the legal costs, because of the supply costs. Regulation, just getting the plant started can be a challenge. Regulation, and, and I understand we need some regulation. We don't want, uh, you know, we don't want rat poop in, in our medications, so we want clean facilities and we want inspectors and all that. We don't want like what we had at the turn of the last century with the meat industry, but uh, how big of a problem that was, I really don't know. But it, it, it's still the perception. You know, if one person gets E. coli from eating a raw hamburger, it's going to be a big deal throughout the whole country. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Yeah, absolutely. Recalls start going out. and Yeah, and whether or not it's really going to make that much of an impact if you have a handful of people die from uh, the E. coli that's uh, so egregious that that's in raw meat. Uh, undercooked meat. Uh, that's not the point. People are scared, and they want to know that they're safe when they go to eat, when they go out to eat, or when they buy beef at the store. They want to know: Am I okay? Is this safe? Is it is it healthy? Has it been inspected? I get it. That's why but, you should cook your meat beyond you know the one sixty point as far as temperature is concerned. Oh, how far do we go? That's the question. Yeah. Hey, and, Doc, I got a winner. We got a winner to talk about for a second here. Got a winner. Come on. Before we wrap up the show, uh, our winner this week is Carol Mason from St. Pete. Carol Mason from St. Pete. St. Pete. Hey, Carol, welcome to the show. Maybe she'll drop by the house today to pick these up. (laughs) Yeah. I'll be at the office for a while, so you can run up there, too, if you want. She gets a two. Dr. Bill, your Radio MD mugs for answering today's question. And today's question was... Which football team does Dr. Bill believe is going to win today in the Super Bowl? And the answer, Doc? The Bengals. The Bengals. There you go. Go, Burrows. Go. <laughs> I think we can do it. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be think. a tough game for them to win, though. A tough game. And, you know, the over-under is like 44 or 45 points. So they're they're expecting a moderately high-scoring game. That would be, what, 24, 23 points per team. 22 points per team. That that's not a bad game. That should have some action to it. Yeah, I just don't like blowouts. Blowouts are boring. So, and I don't like an overly defensive game where you have it like seven to three. Uh, yeah, I like a little bit of, of both offense and defense. Get a little bit of, of this and a little bit of that going. Makes for a better game. Yep. So, so I'm gonna this, be at home. I'll be home with the uh, misses, and we're just gonna enjoy the game together. You do it, bud. You do it. My days of going out for the Super Bowl are over. <laughs> So uh, I uh, I came across this and I and I've got to uh, I've got to give a shout out to the Black History Month. I know that some people may not uh, think that that's important, but uh, I think it's important that we say something positive about our uh, our Black Americans and and give a little bit of support. Uh, it's been a long hard road for them and and. And, you know, they've come a long way for having been a slave population uh, in the United States for a few hundred years at at the, I guess, at the outset, pretty close to the outset of the settlement of North America by the English. Uh, Although you probably didn't know this, Ken, but by the time the Constitution had been signed and, and put into power in the late 1780s, most of the northern states had outlawed slavery. They were all free states. Did you know that? Um, I Somewhere along the way, I think I did, yeah. 
But um, I know all the uh, the signers, many of them pledged to free their slaves after they signed the Constitution. Yeah, and I, you know, and some of the founding fathers were ardent abolitionists, like John Adams and Alexander Hamilton. They were very ardent abolitionists. And but but this is a good story. Uh, the the story of Ellen Craft, who was born in 1826 in Clinton, Georgia. Um, her father was James Smith, a white man, and uh, her mother was uh, Maria, an African-American woman, who was owned by Smith. Now, Ellen was very fair-skinned and resembled Smith, her father, and the children of his marriage, uh, so much that people frequently mistook her for one of his uh, white children. So tradition says this resemblance led to Ellen's owner giving her, at age 11, to his daughter, Ellen's half-sister, as a wedding gift, and then Ellen went on to live in Macon, Georgia. Well, Ellen married a black slave, uh, and uh, they devised a plan, and this is pretty cool. So she was uh, obviously an educated woman, especially for that time period, and uh, she had a lot of freedom, and so her and her black husband could walk around Macon, Georgia, unfettered, which not all slaves could do. And so they devised a plan where her husband would act like he was her slave, and she dressed up as a man, Ken, and she acted like she was an invalid. And (laughs) and so they pulled this off, and they worked their way up to freedom. They got out of the South and worked their way up to freedom. Now, there's probably more to the back end of the story that we don't know, but, you know, this is a fascinating story, and it goes and shows the ingenuity of Americans, and I don't care what color you are, just the raw, sheer ingenuity of it. I love it. It's a great story to tell for Black History Month, and uh, they, they, they fooled a lot of people, worked their way up through the South into the North, got to freedom. And there you have it. That's a pretty neat story. <laughs> I never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these stories, uh, a lot of these stories are questionable, but I, I can see that happening. I could see it. And they actually have pictures of her and her husband. And she dressed up. She looks like a white guy with a big nose. <laughs> she, looked, <laughs> she could be an Italian or, or Greek, you know. And uh, good for her. Good for her. Well, I'm glad they made it. I'm sure they lived happily ever after. And so slavery in the United States, uh, it it was a bad thing, no doubt about it. Uh, We fought a civil war over it, and it's time that we uh, put all this behind us and move on. And the the, the constant need to keep bringing this up by the left is nothing but a political ploy and a way of stirring up people and trying to divide us as a people. And I can understand the, the, the uh, dissembling, the dismantling, rather, of the uh, um, statues and things like that. It's part of our history. Yeah, I mean, it's history. Why throw your history away? Exactly. If you, if you forget your history, you know what? You're going to repeat it. You know, a lot of things, a lot of terrible things happened in the Roman Colosseum, but they didn't tear it down. They didn't? No, no, it's still there. You can go see it. I've been there. It's great. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, goodness, that's right. I saw it. I was in Rome. You're right. It's still there. And a lot of people got eaten by lions there. I I thought I saw some gladiators and some lions coming out after one of the shows there. That was a tourist thing. Oh, that was a tourist thing. Gotcha, I got you. You give them five bucks and they'll do a little show for you. Do you know they used to have uh, sea battles in there? I know, they used to flood the place. (laughs) Flooded it, they had little miniature ships. Unbelievable. It was. I would have loved to have seen it in action, sort of. 
and they had they had uh, elevators, you know, uh, operated by uh, pulleys, and they pulled fighters and lions and uh, displays and shows up into the into the uh, arena and drop things out. It was pretty cool. It yeah. was a pretty, pretty pretty neat thing they had. It was like it was like um, a great play on uh, you know Broadway. <laughs> yeah, and do you know that Leonardo da Vinci finished his career doing stage sets? Get out. Thank no. you for listening to oh, Dr. Oh, Bill, doc, your radio MD. Join God. Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more information and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at CanCareClinic. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.